0: Good morning. How are we doing? That sounded like well, undecided. Basically, it's kind of a rumble of okay and uncertain. And we hope you're okay and don't bore us. Uh, my name's Doug, Pastor Doug. Some call me that. Some call me other things. Uh, it's obvious that today is Associate Sunday, right, Nick? We got this in Sabatino. We got this. Uh, Pastor Daniels off with his family on a much-deserved uh, little spring break trip. So. Uh, Good for him, good for them. Wish it was me. Um, (laughs) Did I say that out loud, Barbara? Um, I gotta say, I was uh, fortunate enough to go to Mozambique, gosh, eight or nine years ago, and we cannot even comprehend the difference in our worlds. And for us to put together an effort to have cleanliness is not, it's just such an understatement, friends uh you and i uh don't know of this other world and until you go i am going to do a video here in a couple of weeks and it it is so have you ever gone somewhere your head just went it um it was really difficult to put into words that experience so i'm going to try here in a, uh, a couple of weeks all right all that stuff said so um This morning, I want you to kind of do a little pre-sermon work with me, okay, kind of stretch your thinking so that when I get to this pivot point, you're gonna go, oh, I get it. So how many of us have ever been a part of a project where we redid something? A house, bedroom, bathroom, yard, uh, any kind of thing, you know, you restored an old car, an old life, and anything, and uh, you had a plan. How many of us have done that? A lot of us, right? So we all know how critical it is to have a what? A plan. Can't say that word out loud again. A plan. Do you have a plan, and do you stick with the plan? And is your plan always the same as everybody else's plan? Hold that thought. Look at the person sitting by you, and just kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit, and like, oh, where's he going? All right. That said, so perhaps it was when you were engaging the plan, or perhaps it was just yesterday. Have you ever thought to yourself, you know what, I just need to take this situation under control. They obviously don't know what they're doing, and I have the best plan, the best idea. And you maybe, like, stomp your foot. We got any foot stompers in here? Or maybe a table pounder or pulpit pounder? David, did you ever do that at work? Did you ever pound the table? Sometimes we just have to take matters under our and control, don't we? Take it into our own hands. Have you ever mixed with that a little dose of impatience? Uh, ignorance? Insight, wisdom, maybe a little angry, impulsivity? Sounds like a, like a horrible drink, doesn't it? You go to a bartender and say, I'd like a little bit of angry impulsivity tonight. (laughs) Some of us act like we've been drinking that drink. (laughs) Hmm. Well, a plan, impulsivity, man, that's a big old word, and our story today are all going to merge. This is a great story. Uh, I was at dinner the other night, and uh, they don't often show a lot of interest in uh, my sermons, but my granddaughter happened to say, Papa, what are you preaching about Sunday? And I said, about a man who loses his ear. She's like, no, that's not in the Bible. You know, kind of like 13-year-olds can do, like very all-knowing. She goes, that's an artist. I go, oh, she thinks Picasso's in the Bible. And then I immediately had a big case of grandpa fail. Like, my granddaughter thinks Picasso's in the Bible. I'm retiring. So our story today, and I really, I think you might enjoy doing this. We're going to, uh, we're going to hear it from two texts. Luke and John, uh, have this, have a version of this. The other thing you need to know about this story is it's a big deal. How's it a big deal, Doug? Why, how can you tell it's in all four gospels? If the same story or thereabouts is in all four gospels, pay attention. All right. Pay attention when a story recurs in that fashion. Also, what I want you to do is pay attention to the nuance. Uh, I'm going to read it to you first out of Luke, and you're going to hear some names and things describe how Luke would have put them, and then we're going to have the same theme, but a different kind of cast of characters, okay? Okay? And play like you're following along. Luke 22, 47 to 53. Hear now the word of the Lord. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Hmm. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, have you come out with your swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. All right. faith. Now, flip with me over to John 18. So obviously we, um, not obviously, it's apparent that this is the events surrounding the arrest of Jesus. The betrayal by who? Judas. This has happened, and John's going to elaborate this a little bit more, but they have all just been together praying and are outside the garden in kind of a known area when all of this comes down. All right, now, John 18. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Whew. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked him, "'Whom are you looking for?' They answered, "'Jesus of Nazareth.' Jesus replied, "'I am he.' Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, "'I am he,' they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, "'Whom are you looking for?' And they said, "'Jesus of Nazareth.' Jesus answered, "'I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go.' This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of them whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? Wow. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Grace is God. We have heard Your Word. Now take this uh, into its meaning and to its application in our lives. Amen. Wow, there's a lot going on there, in there. So let's just kind of walk through what we know to be true, because I think you and I are hidden in this story. So there's been a time of prayer and uh, no matter how they say it, it is Judas time to do what? To betray Jesus. They represent the who came with them in a little bit different way. In uh, Luke, it's just like some people and a chief priest. John puts together a whole crew, doesn't he? He has got chief of police, high priest, and lanterns and torches and so forth and so on, really helping us see the magnitude of the moment we have peter john identifies peter is there right we have this uh high priest and the high priest's slave it's only in john that we hear his name it was malchus we should say his name because it's never again said in the whole bible some malchus his mama would be proud so uh here's the interesting thing though about malchus some say, some people who are very wise Bible scholars say that that's even, not really even his name, that Malchus was a word used for a position of the, high, the slave in the highest position to the chief priest. They were called a Malchus. Who knows? It doesn't really matter, except for the fact that the chief priest had a, a guy who did his stuff for him. You know what I mean by that? The chief priest was able to do what? Stand back and keep his hands While the slave was there to take care of the task. So that would put him also in very close proximity, close enough that if somebody's wielding a sword, thinking they're going after the chief priest, they're going to end up with the what? Ear of the slave. Talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, Then we also have a guy, a disciple, a very important disciple, named who? Peter, and what did Peter bring to the gathering? A sword. Earlier on, he had not only said, Jesus, I got a sword, but I have two swords. Jesus, like, put away the sword. We don't need swords at this gathering. Don't bring a sword. So what did Peter do? Brought a sword. You can never be too ready, Jesus. So Peter, thinking this is the moment, whips out the sword. And it doesn't say this, but if you're going to uh, be rash and impatient and maybe think, "This is my moment, are you really going to cut off his ear or you're going to go for a little more than that?" I'm thinking off with his head, and he just is not a good aim, and it ended up with the ear. I'm saying that's Doug Meyer's version, of translation of the Bible. It'll be coming out in a month or two. Uh, <laughs> added to the list of translations that are out there today. Uh, the interesting thing is it's only in Luke that Jesus steps in and does what with the ear? Heals. Why would that be important? Luke was a physician. Okay. Uh, This gave us an example of Jesus' what powers? Divinity, his healing touch. All right. So where are you all in that story? If you had to pick a character, if it was a one-act, two-act, three-act play, would you be in there somewhere? I'm really thinking most of us don't have the qualifications to be Jesus. Anybody in here want to be cast as Jesus? There could be some Judases in the room. Just saying, look at the person next to you and think, I wonder if they could be Judas. And if that goes any further than this room, it's, you're on your own. Um, I think maybe Peter is for us in this story this huge example of humanity. In this moment, Jesus was living into God's plan. But what did Peter and his sword represent, I think, man's misunderstanding of the unfolding of God's plan in time and in the world. When we stomp our foot, we uh, know better and take things into our own hands. So our sword today is a little bit of power and might, right? When things aren't going the exact way that you think or I think they should, what do we do? Well, we, uh, some of us kind of puff up. Some of us take matters into our own hands. Some of us get a little angry. Our ego egos kind of squirting out our ears. What is it that you do? Do the people who do life with you know, know what it is you do? Some of us, even nowadays, I hear of this, type things called text or email and send them to people, and they're not nice. Have you heard of such? No. And then they save them. That's even crazier. So, friends, I think this story has you and me written all over it, just all over it. We uh, we stomp our foot when things don't go our way. We think we know better. We have a plan. We are abundantly arrogant, and that, that's kind of a harsh word, but um, we are right. And uh, golly, those seem to come to play at the intersection of our will and God's will, and we just don't know what to do next, so we whip out a sword. How many of y'all have ever kind of done something and then lived to regret it? Anybody? One or two? So I'm about to take a a risk and be very vulnerable, and then we're gonna start over here with Pastor Nick. We're gonna go all the way around the room, (laughs) and we're gonna go long today, I'm just saying. Everybody don't get a chance. It'll, you'll feel so much better. So, um, some of y'all know this. I, I sometimes think I know better, and uh, I get a little impatient when things. And uh, let me just create the setting for you. I thirty-five. All right. There's your backdrop, Daryl. Then it is a holiday weekend, and we're going from our house in Plano to family in Austin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Amen. End of sermon. So, uh, you know, going down there wasn't bad. I think we left like on Tuesday or something. It was just like pretty and nice and doodly 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 do. We stopped at Bucky's and everything was grand. Uh, Coming back though. So like if you're a preacher or a, a person who works in a church, You don't get to stay through Sunday afternoon. You got to come back Saturday afternoon. You know how many other people want to come back on Saturday afternoon? 8.2 million. (laughs) 8.2 million. It's documented. And if you push it because you're having such a great time with grandma and everybody, you push it right to the last second. Then you get in the car and you're already a little agitated because the family didn't leave on your schedule. And so sometimes the daddy, the man person, can get a little agitated with everybody. And so we're on 35, and we're driving north. And somewhere, somehow, God put this little town between Austin and Dallas. And what's it called? Waco. Great town, great university, all of that. I'm sure those are really nice people there. But traffic came to a stop. Complete, 100%, just turn off your car, get out your phone, get pizza delivered, kind of stock. And uh, I was just fit to be timed. I mean, literally not saying nice things. And uh, I noticed, though, out of the corner of my eye, some enlightened people had created a path across the median over to the access road. Have you ever done that? It looked, it looked like my salvation. And so here, this is a little side thing, and I think she's watching online, so Wendy, I love you. Um, Wendy was asleep, and so she didn't know better to counsel me out of doing this. And so I was like, I think I can do this. I'm sure I can do this. I don't see any problem with doing this. I'm going to do this. So I turn, and you and, you, and we made it. We made it through the grass onto the access road, yes, only to find that really what that was was the beginning of a 50-mile detour going east, due east, and we were trying to go what? So, uh, you know, I was like, okay, God, I get it, you're funny, and uh, We're going way out here, and I'm just getting more just agitated with me and life, and I'm waiting for her to wake up and just kind of grin at me. And uh, finally, we work our way back around, and we had made great progress. We got to Belton. How, you know how far that is? Like that far. We went 50 miles to save time to go that far. And you know what was on 35 when we got there? More cars and a wife smirking, (laughs) smirking wives. All right. So that's just a little bit of an example of uh, Pastor Doug's impatience and thinking, I think I can conquer this. I've got a plan. Now I'm going to share one more, and it's just kind of icing on the cake for today. Um, Home projects. Anybody here love a good home project and power tools? So again, more, uh, sub theme of the story, Wendy's out of town. And the microwave breaks and it's been broken for weeks and we have to have a microwave to heat leftovers and make popcorn and important things. So I take it upon myself that I'm gonna surprise her and I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna get us a new microwave while she's out of town and I will be the hero and it would be wonderful and she will, you know, smother me with kisses. And so that story is in my head. And I go, and I stand in front of her microwave, and it's a built-in microwave. Back in that day, they kind of built them in, like like custom. Like they put molding around it and everything. It was like professionally done, built in right there. I got this, so I took all the face plate off and the double face plate, everything, and I pulled it out, and I measured, and I went to Home Depot. Did you know that since 1990, microwaves have changed? <laughs> they're, not the, they're not the same size. GE's made them a whole different size. And so um, I'm like, dang it, I think I can make this work. If your husband ever says to you, honey, I think I can make this work, (laughs) grab all the tools in the garage and run with them. So in my little man head, I said, I think I can make this work. So I bought the microwave and I brought it home and I checked it. And it was off by only like a quarter of an inch. You can brute force in a quarter of an inch, right? Come on. So I picked it up again, all by myself, and I'm holding this big, heavy microwave, very big and heavy, bad back. Mm, mm, it's not going. I'm like, dang it. So I go out in my garage, tool. First tool, just a little saw. Just a little saw. Right there on that on the left side of the like the custom molding, custom molding. And I'm stepping back and thinking, this ain't going to look too bad. And so then I get to the microwave, so we find not, it's, not, it's not going in. It's not going in. But you know what I know I have? I got a radial saw, circular saw out in that garage. So I go and I get my circular saw. And people who know better know that you're supposed to use a circular saw, like down on wood like this, and you lay it out, and you lay it. So I plugged it in, and I went up to the wall. It was like zzz, up, the, up the custom cabinet, right up the, the side of the custom cabinet. And I was going good. And then I stepped back, and the line went like this. That's going to be hard to hide. That's gonna be real hard to hide. When Wendy gets home, I'm like, you are not gonna believe what happened while you were (laughs) gone. Somebody broke in our house and they tried to install a microwave. So the other day, we had a professional come out and fix all that. He didn't charge too much. About the same price we would've spent on my birthday present. Uh, Been there, right? Why do I tell you those silly stories? Because we mankind, man people, a lot of times think we know better and that we have a plan and we just need the rest of the world to execute our plan. And we don't necessarily have a sword, but we got a circular saw and we can do about the same amount of damage, right? Oh my goodness, what is it about us that we put ourselves in this position of knowing better so we will do our way, versus seeking God's wisdom. Anybody else in here ever done that? Maybe one or two of y'all. So kept thinking about this and kept wondering about where in this intersection of uh, my friend Peter and I and the moment, and Jesus is trying to counsel that this is all going to unfold the way it's supposed to unfold, and Peter whips out his sword, and there I am. I'm just like today's example of you. And so what's the lesson? What's our takeaway from all this? What do we do when impatience and ignorance and ego all collide? Well, seems to me, and this is open for debate, first thing we need to do is check ourselves. We are the like, starring role in our own little drama here. And we have let our ego get beyond our capability to be rational. <laughs> And sometimes it's just because men, people like me think we can fix anything with a power tool, or a hammer or a sledgehammer or get a really big hammer. Uh, Maybe we need to do some things like there, uh, I'm not sure, y'all will look this up if you want to. There's a phrase, what else could be true? What else could be true? I think maybe Brene Brown, but who knows who put those words together. What else could be true? Could it be that there is another way to get to Dallas besides going to Belton and around Waco? Could it be that I could have just sat quietly and patiently, listened to music, and just chilled out? Could it be that I don't always need to have my way? No, surely it's not that one. Let me look at the next point. Uh, You know, it's interesting. As I look at each one of these points, the second word is I. How about me, mine, I? Maybe I need to step out of the fact that I'm really not always the center of the universe. Could that be true? Maybe even I need to examine for just a moment, let let the situation teach me that I could be wrong. Maybe in what I'm picking up in this teachable moment is that uh, I might not have all the answers. Go figure. Maybe I need to wait it out. I had a dad, great dad, had a lot of wisdom. One of his things that he would tell us in a hard situation is, you know, I think we're just going to sleep on this. Did your dad or mom ever say that to you? You know what, I think I'm going to sleep on this. It would just make me 13-year-old Dougie Meyer crazy because I wanted an answer now. And his other answer was, if you have to know now, the answer is? Y'all went to the same school my daddy went (laughs) to. Maybe even I need to pray about. Seek out wise counsel. Go to somebody and say, you know, I'm in this situation and I'm really trying to force to be my plan. You think there's another way to do this right now? Again, ego gets what? In the way. So if we can take something from the Scripture, and there's so many things to take away, I would encourage us all today to uh, slow down. Don't leave the house with a sword. Imagine that uh, there is a plan by he who planned it all. There is a master design, and we are participants in that. We are not directors of that. And Man, that's hard when we want to be the director and the star of our own show. So what do we do about it? Well, we admit it. We laugh at Pastor Doug for a minute. But we take away from that a kernel of truth that says, I need to slow down. I need to condition my heart to listen more and talk less and to examine the possibility that there is another plan out there. Do you think that could be true? I think it could. Let's pray. Gracious God, it is difficult at times to hear stories that involve us, Uh, but yet thankful Peter teaches us even today as a part of this unfolding drama of your will, Jesus' life and death and resurrection that give us hope, we find ourselves still uncertain about, well, what's my part? God, help me and help us to uh, take a deep breath and to seek you first rather than force things to turn out the way we want. In your name we pray. Amen.